welcome to know your roles we're here for another week we are a weekly podcast where we take things from pop culture that may not necessarily go with one another and somehow we smash them together and make it uh, entertaining for y'all i'm uh, one of your co-hosts dave kleinman writer and bartender malcontent <laughs> self-proclaimed here is my lovely co-host george gordon and he's going to tell us what's going on on today's show and uh what we got in store for y'all george thanks dave i'm george gordon bartender slash comedian slash just happy to be there kind of guy and uh, on the show today we've got my old friend from stand-up the lovely emily heller if you don't know emily heller emily heller had this amazing amazing record called pasta that came out three years ago she's been on seth myers she's been on conan o'brien and in the past few years she has transitioned stand up into being an amazing award-winning writer on tv shows like barry and the very underrated search party she's also a podcaster on the on a podcast called baby geniuses and she's quite the gardener as you guys will hear uh, shortly and before we get into that dave what's going on with you man Oh, I'm going to give the, uh, the George answer whenever I ask this question, which is, oh, not a whole lot. <laughs> That's what you say basically every time I ask you what's up. Oh, not a whole lot. But uh, yeah, the name of this podcast could also be called Having Talented Friends because that's like a through line for both of us um, for like everything we, we've done. And I just want to real quickly before we like get too far deep in the show, I want to give a really heartfelt uh, thanks to some of those talented friends, which is Alnatak Kid, Nate88, and Kazo Oslo, who did our incredible KYR theme, which I still love as much as I did when I first heard it. I uh, apologize for not shouting those guys out every episode. Definitely look those guys up. And actually, my buddy Kazo, he has a new project out with uh, one of his collaborators, Billy Hoyle, and that project is called Man Made Mountain, and that record is called Average Man, and it's it's awesome. But uh, yeah. Not a whole lot. I made a pizza. It was uh, delicious. It was a sourdough pizza. And that's why I haven't been to uh, Black Seed yet. But I I am going to go there this week. I wanted to say that it's a, uh, it's per- I said it was a pop-up last week, but it's actually permanent. So there will always be pizza there. Nice. But uh, yeah, other than that, I, I don't know, George. Who, who <laughs> knows? What, what have you been doing uh, this last week? Watching tennis, I assume. Watching tennis, tennis has been uh, amazing. There, uh, it's uh, Osaka and uh, Serena going to be playing it. I think when we record this podcast, I think it's I think it's the next day because I believe the finals on Saturday. I believe it's tomorrow. Naomi Osaga and uh, Serena is actually tonight. It is tonight, so at the it will have already happened when okay when this podcast uh, drops. So I'm going to be mentally preparing myself for that and screaming at a television while my cat looks at me, wondering what is wrong with me. Uh, real quickly, I got a COVID shot. I want to tell everybody, uh, producer Mary Best and Dave, that I got got to got the first rounds of uh, COVID shots. Um, um, uh, it's funny because like they extended it to people who work in the service industry, and I work in the service industry as a sort of kind of bartender. I like to say like very very talented window person, not really a bartender. That's what that's what my job title is. Once a bartender, always a bartender, George. I don't know. I was like, uh, I think I I think I can get behind just being the window dude. Like, hey, what's going on? Just like because like my my least favorite thing about bartending is the talking part. It's just like, but anyway, as I work in the window, it's like, hey, good to see you too. Keep it moving. You don't try to build a rapport with the person at McDonald's. Just like, hey, no, just keep it moving. Just keep it going. So, so I like to think it was like myself as a 
time the talented window person. But I did get a COVID shot. So shout out to the person who who listened to me ramble as I was getting a shot. Sometimes I'll like try to say something like kind of amusing to see if the other person's paying attention. And I was like, was trying to be funny. Uh, I forget her name, but she was lovely because she kind of just snickered like, what is wrong with this asshole? <laughs> what I did was, I, we were, so where I got mine was I was in a high school gymnasium and I was like, I was looking at the clock and I was like, you know, at my high school, we have the exact same clock. I wonder if there's one place that just sells these clocks as a joke to fuck with this person. <laughs> and she was like, asshole, just take the shot and shut up. <laughs> So shout out to that lady for, for, for being a sport because like I was like, because I, I bet you in every school they got the same clock, right? And I just sat there and she was like, oh, my <laughs> God. <laughs> when is my day over? Yeah, I was like, like do I have any more of these guys? And it was entertaining for me. She didn't find it funny. Well, I think she kind of found it funny. It was like, she was like, yes, maybe it's a company that sells clocks like that. And for every high school, just one company. So anyway, so shout out to that lady in the organization for, for getting it done in a timeless fashion. And uh, I timely, fashion. timely fashion, timely, timeless, timeless fashion. Thank you. I'm not still that dude is like, you know, it's like, you know, when you hear fiction and nonfiction, I still have to take a second to go, wait, which one is real? Oh, OK. okay. <laughs> I have some of those, too. Yeah, it's like, it's like, ah, OK. I can't think off the top of my head, but like there are definitely some of them that I have to be like, wait, which one? Oh, yeah, for, former and latter for whatever reason. Like I have to like think about it for a second, even though I know which is which. And like it's the way you yeah. say it. But you, yeah. you, got, you got to take a breath and be like, oh, yeah, okay, I got it. I got it from here. Like uh, Polly Walnuts on The Sopranos would say, irregardless. And I just killed me every time because it's like there are groups of people who are just like, irregardless. And I'm not going to be the one to correct them. I'm just like, you know what? I like the way it sounds. Somebody has a joke. I think it might be like George Lopez or, or somebody about like his father saying the word irregardless, like, you know, like that because it's it's not a word. <laughs> like irregardless. It's not a word. It's, it's kind of those things. I think it's, it goes up there with like whenever anyone calls me about the wrong name but they say it with enthusiasm i'm kind of okay with it like it's i like my name is george and everybody knows my name is george which is very regal but i've been called charles before and i've since this person one time called this person called me charles but they were like charles and it's a it's a it's regal enough sounding that i'm like you know what maybe i am charles maybe i've just been <laughs> been fucking up and you don't want to burst the person's bubble. Yeah, exactly. Like I get called Dan a lot and I'm just like, exactly. it's like, do you have the energy to do this today? Or do you just be like, hey, yeah, cool. Thanks. Like, yeah, no, and I, I'm, I'm entertained by it every time. So I'm like, you know what? It's like kind of like that. So I'm not going to correct it. If you, if you say here, regardless, it's, as long as you say it with enthusiasm and, and I'm also not going to correct you. If you call me, if you call me Edward, it's <laughs> not like someone's name like it's actually the english language it's not a word but but fair enough i see your point. if you if you say it with enthusiasm <laughs> then i'm okay with it it's like hey edward <laughs> actually i'm not i wouldn't be okay with that one because that one's two syllables but if they're <laughs> charles being only one syllable i was like you know what i kind of like it uh dave we can go on and on about this until the cows come home but you've got important stuff to talk about before we bring on our guest dave what is in your bar all right. Well, we're going to go into Bar Talk where we, as two former slash current slash future, I don't know, bartenders, uh, who knows? Yeah. Fill in whatever word there. We discuss, you know, the topics that are in, on, and at our bar and just generally chop it up. 
I am going to do like a segment today that I have uh, kind of prepared. I am going to do some reviews and I am going to do reviews of all different kinds of things. Could be from pop culture, could be from my life. It's going to be all sorts of different things. And I'm thinking about it as kind of like an homage to some people that were very important to me when I was young as a young Chicago uh, budding cinephile Dave, which are Siskel and Ebert. So this segment is like got a tribute to them. And I'm going to play an intro from one of their shows. And then I'm going to play a, an incredible remix of a theme song uh, while I do the segment. I'm just going to play it low. And I got to give a big shout out to my buddy Gino who did this theme for me. It's it's uh, really cool. And uh, check out his SoundCloud. I'll plug it again afterwards. But it's Grand Street. And we will uh, link to that. This intro is from... December 22nd, 1989. Siskel and Ebert review Richard Dreyfuss and Holly Hunter in Steven Spielberg's heavenly romance, Always. Disabled veteran Tom Cruise protests the war in Vietnam in Born on the Fourth of July. And Sylvester Stallone and Kurt Russell are mismatched cops in Tango and Cash. It's all coming up next on Siskel and Ebert. <laughs> All right, reviews. First up, we're doing the film, 40-year-old version, written, directed, and starring Rada Blank. And uh, it's available on Netflix. It came out last year. Essentially, it's a coming-of-age story of a 40-year-old Black woman playwright. And she's basically experiencing some ennui surrounding her career and like being fetishized, but also being like marginalized at the same time by her industry. And she decides to like take some agency or some power and reinvent herself as a rapper named Rodimus Prime, which shout out to uh, 80s babies. And uh, it's in black and white and it's beautifully shot, very well acted. It's very charming. I, uh, I really liked it a lot and I highly recommend it. Moving on. Next, we're going to do TV reviews. And this is actually something we're going to talk about with our guest, Emily Heller, a little bit later, but Framing Britney Spears, which is on Hulu right now. And, you know, we talk about this in a little bit, but I think it's a really interesting look into, you know, how she was treated at large by society, things that certainly I wasn't aware of as a young man. Um, and, uh, you know, it's about the conservatorship that her father has her under which is like very weird and interesting uh, as far as he is in control of a lot of her financial, a lot of her finances and everything. And uh, yeah, I highly recommend it for people that don't know a lot about that. And even if you do, hashtag free Britney. Again, it's on Hulu. Um, all right, next thing I'm gonna review is TikTok. Is it TikTok? Now, TikTok is something that we talk about a lot on this show as far as like, we don't really get it. <laughs> um, but uh, there's like a lot of joy on TikTok. And one of the things that I have found that I really love is a guy named Nick Cho. And he his moniker is, man, I just feel real smooth with this like music behind me. But uh, his moniker is your Korean dad. And that's how he opens all of his videos. He's like, hey, it's your Korean dad. 
And today I'm going to teach you about finger hearts. And uh, yeah, he has one. He, he has all sorts of type videos. They're very short. They're very fun. They will warm even the coldest heart. Um, and uh, yeah, so Nick Cho, your Korean dad. The very last thing I'm going to review myself, and then I'm going to end this segment by uh, reading a review from an online website. And the very last thing I'm going to review is my neighbor who lives about a block away, who decided on February 11th, 2021, was a good day to take his Trump 2020 Keep America Great flag down. My review is that I'm glad I don't have to look at the thing but you're still an asshole and I won't forget. So yeah, neighbor, you're still an asshole. All right, the very last thing to end this segment mercifully is going to be a review I'm going to read. I am reading a review from a website we have mentioned on this show before, which is leafly.com. And I'm going to read a customer review of Runts, the marijuana strain, which is Leafly's 2020 strain of the year. And that review is, it's the beginning of fall season. Some branches are losing their greenish, yellowish, reddish leaves, and the skies are partly cloudy with the just right brightness coming from the ball of fire 92.96 million miles from Earth. This strain right here, right here, extraordinary. The morose feelings of depression and procrastination have fallen away just like those branches leaves. The only feeling I have is pure bliss, euphoria, wanting to be social and talk to friends, and content. You'll feel a cerebral high, but you'll want to be active and productive with the right amount. Trust me, you will be relaxed and elated at the same damn time. Smiley face emoticon. Boom. Reviews. That's, uh... Yeah, again, I want to give it up to uh, Gino. Check out his uh, SoundCloud at Grand Street for this uh, amazing uh, Cisco and Ebert uh, remix here. I hope, uh, I hope that was fun for y'all. Anyway, George, have you seen any of the, you You've seen Framing Britney Spears. I have right? watched that, yeah. Um, have you seen uh, 40-year-old version? No, I actually thought you said Virgin the first time, and I was like, I think that already came out already. I'm not really sure when that came out, <laughs> but no, no, I was like, but uh, I'll, I'll, I'll give it a go. What was the, what was the last thing? The last movie? TikTok. No, the last thing, TikTok. I don't know what TikTok is. I'm pretty sure I don't know how to spell it either. I don't either. That's why I'm trying to branch out. <laughs> <laughs> um, trust me, if I send you some of this guy's stuff, you will enjoy it. One thing I, I know one thing about TikTok. One of my buddies, very hilarious comedian kevin mccaffrey his cousin is mike pence and for like a solid like two weeks he was like trending on tiktok because he was making these tiktok videos about how his cousin and how bad his cousin sucks <laughs> <laughs> so shout out this is the only thing i know about tiktok shout out to my buddy kevin mccaffrey the very funny comedian whose cousin is fucking mike pence oh, wow <laughs> he was doing jokes about mike pence like a few years ago and i was like uh I was like, that's a weird cousin to have because everybody's, he's like, because uh, the old joke is like, when everybody's got that one cousin that's like, what the fuck is wrong with this guy? It's like, now imagine that one cousin being Mike Pence. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's rough. <laughs> but he became like a TikTok star for like, for like a handful of weeks. He just, he was like, my fucking shitty cousin, Mike Pence. And, uh, and apparently Mike Pence has seen his TikTok videos and, and yes, they, uh, 
this uh it's funny i don't know if i i actually read something else about like uh mike pence like somebody oh i just read this is like uh sometimes i'll go on the like i'll fall into like a deep wikipedia hole woody harrelson with and mike pence with the college together he knew him in college yeah what they they both went they both went to like uh like a, a, a weirdly like a Baptist school in indiana uh and he's like hey, and he's like and he says in like the wikipedia he's like and then our paths went a different direction <laughs> <laughs> i'll say so I found it. It's like so. I just happened to mention the only thing I know about TikTok: my buddy Kevin McCaffrey and Mike Pence, and the fact that Mike Pence and Woody Harrelson knew each other in college. So, anyway, well, uh, yeah, thank you. I appreciate uh, that information. Um, <laughs> yeah, Jesus Christ, I can't. Yeah. Anyway, um, George, what uh, what is on your bar? Uh, it's actually real quick. Uh, unfortunately, I don't have any like uh, any like background music for it, which kind of <laughs> bums me out because my background music would be tight. Um, uh, two of my favorite artists are going to have, uh, oddly enough, going to have uh, really, really, really interesting uh, documentaries about them start in next month. Uh, and that is Tina Turner and Tori Spaggi are both going to have uh, documentaries come out March 1st. So it's kind of cool to sort of look at your little email. You get as like, there's like a biopic or um, documentary about tina turner i'm like what and then like 20 minutes later you get another email i was like there's gonna be a another documentary about detroit's big i was like what so it's gonna be a very entertaining few weeks over here i'm playing tina turner records and, and big records until those both those documentaries come out which i believe air on march 1st so that's what's in my bar awesome all right well that's bar talk i think uh yeah we did it we did. We're going to go and talk to uh, Emily Heller. This is uh, that that's conversation and our fun game with her where we draft a TV sitcom family. <laughs> and I I, uh, I think I speak for all of us in saying that we had a lot of fun. So hopefully you guys will too. Enjoy. Hello. Hi. So, uh, Emily, you know me. So, like, let me introduce you around. This is uh, Dave Kleiman. This is uh, the, the, one of the hosts of uh, Know Your Roles podcast. So, say what's up, Dave. <laughs> nice to meet you. I'm Dave. Hi, Dave. One of the t- the two hosts. Yeah. <laughs> that's not George. The one that's not George. <laughs> at, some, at some point, I'm going to get replaced. I think so. But And and this is producer Mary Bess. <laughs> Hi, Emily. So nice to meet you. Hi, Mary. Nice to meet you. But yeah, thanks for being here. Of course. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, uh, we uh, we got some stuff we want to get into. Uh, first off, uh, um, I haven't seen you in quite some time. Hi, I know. It's been a while, George. How are you holding up? Doing okay. Uh, it's like a, it's up and down. I got a cat. Great. <laughs> yes, her name is Gladys. She might see her like in the background. This, for some reason, she hears voices and kind of does, does <laughs> this little number. So, like, you'll see her in the back, just, like, over my shoulder on the couch. Beautiful. Yeah, she's... I can't wait. For those who can't see him, George is behaving like a curious cat. <laughs> <laughs> this is producer Mary Best with your commentary today. <laughs> I feel like we all have animals that may make, a, you know, an appearance at some point. Although you look, like, very well insulated uh, there. I made myself a recording booth out of a folding room divider uh, that I just taped some sound panels on but there's a dog behind it you just can't see (laughs) yeah my dog is in the other room somewhere you'll probably hear him at some point (laughs) yeah i got i got really tired of going into my closet to do stuff and then having to clean my closet every time i wanted to podcast so 
It looks like Emily is in her own homemade booth. It's impressive, listeners. <laughs> I feel like I should not talk about my home recording studio because then people will be like, well, why doesn't she sound better? <laughs> it's okay. They, they can blame me for that. Okay, <laughs> great. But uh, yeah, I talked to a buddy of mine when I was first starting this and he was like, I was like, should I, what should I be buying? Like, should I do He was like, just use towels. Like, just use towels. Like, it's as good as anything else. <laughs> So yeah, there's towels all over the place in here. Um, <laughs> there's always a cheaper solution than the one that I do. <laughs> and then there's me who's like, who has no solution, but I have like a little desk in the corner of my, my apartment that like, that thing kind of works. Yeah. So I, uh, I was thinking today, when was the last time I saw you? Of course I haven't traveled at all this year. Um, I guess when was the last time you were in New York? Oh, at least three years ago. Yeah. It's been a while. Yeah. I also, I mean, I haven't done stand-up in like two or three years, too. Really? So, yeah. So that is like one of the main reasons why I would go to New York. I mean, I have family there, but come on, I'm really there for the stage time. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but yeah, I so I I haven't done stand-up in a really long time. And so I yeah, I haven't been to New York in a really long time either. I have no idea. I have no idea when the last time we saw each other was. I live in LA, and but I used to live in New York. George and I used to run a show together. We did. Yeah. We ran a show together, guys, called The Afterlife at the Sidewalk Cafe in the, the East Village. And I got a, like a Facebook alert that says, like, uh, anniversary of The Afterlife show from like nine years ago. It, it was started today, nine years ago. So it must have been longer than that, though, right? Because I think it was. Yeah. Well, no. Yeah. Maybe it was nine years ago, but I moved to New York in 2011 and I left in 2013. So, okay. yeah, it was like nine or 10 years ago or something. Yeah. Maybe. So nine or 10 years ago. Yeah. Oof, that was a great show. George and I ran this show with Josh Gondelman and Aaron Judge. The theme of it was the afterlife and every show we would have a different theme, like afterlife theme. So if it was like reincarnation, we would ask the audience to tell us like what they'd want to get reincarnated as. And then <laughs> at the end of the show, we would pick our favorite answer and give them a drink <laughs> ticket. <laughs> I can only imagine the answers you must have gotten for, for that question. It was pretty good. It was pretty fun. <laughs> it was. I mean, like oddly enough, one of the shows that I remember uh, very vividly because Hari Condobolo, who's going to be a guest on the show at some point next month, he turned it into a bit. Oh, His yeah. answer for it was like it turned into like a joke. And I was like, he's like, yeah, I actually got a lot out of this. I was like, holy shit, you did. You just turned it into a five minute bit. <laughs> yeah, I know. Right. That's the best case scenario. That show I always felt like was way better than <laughs> the audience gave it credit for. <laughs> we did not get the audience we deserved for that show. I think so. We may have been ahead of our time. I'll uh, take both of your 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 guys' word for it. <laughs> um, You'll have to. <laughs> um, yeah, George sent a, us a hilarious clip of you y'all both as like babies, basically uh, nah. eating like what was it, hot Cheetos or what? What were you eating? Oh, they were like Scotch bonnet habanero peppers, right? Oh, was it was actually the pepper you were eating? Wow, we were we ate the whole mm -hmm. pepper. Yeah, what what were yeah were they Scotch bonnets? I'm gonna look this up right now because I need to know. Please do. Um, we did it. This these guys in Portland did the series called uh, Spicy Interviews, where um, you would eat a hot pepper and then interview each other 
and you weren't allowed anything to cool your mouth off until you got through all the questions. Mm-hmm. And uh, do you you must remember doing that, George, right? Oh, I do. In fact, uh, I um, uh, it jogged my memory because I was I listened to uh, Baby Geniuses today. So, I, first off, I'm super excited to have you on this as a guest on the podcast because one, I listened to Baby Geniuses today, then I listened to Pasta, Pasta, and now I have you on here here in the flesh. So, in essence, even though you are coming into us, I've been listening to you for at least like the past like three hours. So, yeah, we've been so hanging it, out for a few hours in your mind. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And uh, you were talking about hot sauce on there. And I guess I was learning a lot about you from that, this, this past episode of podcasts and uh, on the baby Genesis podcast. And I was like, I remember, I was like, Oh, right. That we ate that pepper in Portland, like eight years ago. We ate those hot peppers. Yeah. And I found the video. It's still out there in the world. It's still out there. And we're just crying in so much pain. And I will say like over the past So I'm married now and my husband likes really spicy stuff. And over the course of our relationship, I've kind of taught myself to like spicier food and which is something you can do. And I recommend doing it. It will open up a world of delights to you. Um, But when you and I recorded that video, I hadn't done any of that yet. (laughs) I was still (laughs) not okay with spicy food. And so that was it was one of those things going into it where I was like, I know I'm going to hate this and I'm going to do it anyway. Just like anytime I've ever gotten on a roller coaster. Uh, and the thing I didn't expect was they were scotch bonnets, by the way, um, which is a uh, very high scope on the Scoville scale. Um, the thing I didn't realize was how hot it was going to be coming out. <laughs> yeah. The next day I was just like out of commission. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it was, it was, it was, uh, I remember quite like vividly, not too vividly the the next day. And I was praying to God that I, cause I flew later that, oh, that no. I flew, Oof. I flew back to New York later that day. It was like, please <laughs> make this, <laughs> make this happen I... once I get home, because it's going to be a problem. Yeah. Cause we were in Portland. <laughs> That's a long flight too. <laughs> yeah. And you lived in New York. I think I had already moved to LA, but like. I was staying with some friends of mine who lived in Portland and I was like, I'm sorry, I'm going to be in the bathroom for the rest of my visit. <laughs> my stomach hurts already just, just by having this conversation. Um, but, uh, but no, like, that's funny that you say that because I I've been listening to your pod and like, I've been following your, your hot sauce, like saga. Um, <laughs> yes. Right now I've been, I've been drawing out because there's literally nothing else going on in my life. I've been drawing out and serializing, tantalizing my audience with the information of what my favorite hot sauce is, because I mentioned it several episodes ago, but I didn't name it because I uh, have a scarcity mindset and I didn't want anyone else to buy it because I wanted to keep it. I understand that instinct. I think that's like, I think you're right (laughs) to like, want to keep it close. Well, also it had, it had happened where I tried to order it and they were out because it's very like, it's they're made seasonally but because they run out of the peppers, you know, That's why it's good. Um, but I got it. Like it became this thing where I ended up getting in touch with the people who make this. It's like a winery that makes this hot sauce that we bought on a lark one time when we were like 
going to a wedding in wine country at this sandwich shop. And I ended up getting in touch with the winery to be like, I will name your hot sauce and you will get a lot of sales, but I'm only going to do it if you guarantee that I will have access I was going to ask you like that episode where you named it was only a few days ago, but have you gotten like, are you swimming in hot sauce already? (laughs) Well, so the thing is I had already hoarded a bunch. So if they send me any more now, I don't have any place to store it. I think I have maybe 10 bottles at my house already, but we go through maybe a bottle a month. So I should be okay. I feel like next year I can just email them and be like, when you're bottling it, put aside a case for me. But um, I did, I got in touch with them last week and um, I can name the hot sauce here, uh, even though just because I think people will be annoyed if I don't, it's Cliff Family Winery Fatali Hot Sauce. It's their hottest variety. And it's this winery, Cliff, it's C-L-I-F, one F, because it's the Cliff Bar people. Which is insane. It's like the winery that they open. Yeah. <laughs> that was the, I found that cause I, cause like, you know, I'm a little, I, I'll admit to being a snob. And like, when you were like, I was like, I'm going to know the hot sauce. I'm going to definitely know this hot sauce. And then you said it was uh, made by the people that make cliff bars. <laughs> yeah. But so they have, I think it's not like, it's not like the same kitchen where they make the cliff bar, but it's <laughs> not how they're doing it. But it it's, I think it's more, it's just like the people who own cliff bars were like, let's open a winery and have like a, a nice place. And they have this, like their chef at their like on-site restaurant, who also I think helped develop some of these recipes was like a Michelin rated chef at a restaurant before he joined Ah, them. Awesome. And, but the hot sauce is super simple. It's just like the flavors are really simple, but they grow the peppers themselves. And the fatality hot sauce is just really hot and the flavor is really good. And it's not too vinegary. It's not too salty. It's just like a nice, perfect hot sauce. And I think all of their hot sauce flavors are, have the same recipe with just different peppers. I did not expect to be talking about hot peppers as much as I am. (laughs) Oh, believe me, oddly enough, one of the questions that I have here written down is what is the secret to a good hot sauce? I have to ask Emily this question. I mean, I've been like, I was, I just listened to where you, where you uh, revealed it. I is it's most of what I want to talk about. A couple people have gotten in touch with me to say that, like, I crashed their website. (laughs) (laughs) Nice. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Like they're trying to buy the hot sauce. And I will say like, if you're just buying one bottle, the shipping is kind of prohibitive. Yeah. Don't buy one. They're not. Here to like ship hot sauce around the world. That's like not the kind of business they are. They want you to go to the winery, and these are like gifts you can buy if you go there. But you can buy the hot sauce online. Um, and I just recommend buying in bulk. Apparently, they're more known for like their jams and stuff, but I haven't tried their jams. I feel like that's a kind of like a an, an easy thing to get into if you're already into like the that side of the spice and food. If just to do the the opposite end of the spectrum would kind of work. Oh yeah, just like. Well, it's just like if you're if you're already preserving stuff. Correct. You might as well. Yeah, you might as well give might as well give it a go. I mean, you got all your flavors uh, accounted yeah. for. Your sweet, your your sour, your spicy. Absolutely. So I will say to answer your question, George, it's just like a good hot sauce. I think it really depends on your personal tastes and what you're going to use it on. But I think theirs is just like it's a really simple recipe with just like cumin and garlic and like. 
it's just for just they let it tastes fruity because they let the flavor of the peppers come through. I've gotten really like I've gotten really into hot peppers. It's so weird because yeah, you and I, our history with hot <laughs> peppers is very traumatic. But I started gardening a couple years ago. And like I said, I married this guy who likes really spicy stuff. So I've started growing like hot peppers at my house, uh, <laughs> like a good wife. This, this is also another question that I had, listen, it was like, tell me more about your garden. Cause you mentioned that briefly in the podcast that you oh, was yeah. like, I'm gonna start growing tomatoes. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm, I've been gardening and I will say I started gardening before the pandemic hit and I am so glad that I did because once it hit, I was like, there was, you know, there was that week where we thought like our entire food infrastructure was going to go down. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, I'm going to have to learn how to live on these three kale plants I've got going. <laughs> but um, I've been, it's been really nice to have like an outside thing that I can work on at home throughout this. And I live in LA, so we have like, we can grow stuff year round. And so right now I have my winter crops going. I've got some broccoli. I'm growing some Brussels sprouts for the first time. The thing I'm most excited about right now is uh, my sugar snap peas are just thriving beyond belief. They're beautiful. They're so weird. They grow these tentacles and grab onto stuff. It's just the weirdest plant to grow, but they're doing so well. And every day I go out there to water my plants and I just sort of like stand by my peas and just sort of like (laughs) delicately finger them and admire them and just think about how wonderful they are. (laughs) And then I eat them maybe once or twice a month. (laughs) Still totally worth it though. Yeah, but I'm just starting to prep for my summer. Like it takes a while to like start seeds and then, you know, I'll be harvesting by like July or August, but I've started like, I think maybe four or five different varieties of hot peppers this year. I don't have any idea where I'm even going to plant them, but uh, (laughs) we'll see. It's been like growing hot peppers is fun because once they get going, they just keep producing a lot. My fiance, who actually teaches gardening, she's going to be very jealous of hearing that, you know, because we live in Brooklyn and have no outdoor space. Um, but, oh, yeah. What does she grow? Uh, all sorts of stuff. I mean, she teaches, she works for a school and she actually teaches like school kids how to garden and she runs like school gardens in New York, oh, yeah. um, which is incredible. But uh, um, that's awesome. But guard, it's so, it's, I can see how therapeutic it is. Um, Oh yeah. Does she wait? Does she work for? Does she work for Grow NYC? She doesn't, but uh, she does. A, she oh. actually works for a specific school, but she does like basically the same same thing um, that they. Okay, do. gotcha. Um, but you guys have another thing in common is she's also a vegetarian. And oh yeah, I'm not going to ask you those stupid questions about uh, vegetarianism. Everyone can should listen to your album <laughs> about those. But my question is: Are you hopeful that when restaurants come back? Uh, most restaurants will have more than one thing that you can eat. <laughs> oh, that's already happening. It, I mean, you know, I live in LA, so I've got so many options, but it's art. I feel like in the last like three years, we've reached a critical mass where like every burger place has like not just a, a shitty garden burger <laughs> on offer. Like they have like impossible burgers or beyond burgers. Like they do good ones now, which is great. Are you a fan? I prefer Beyond Burgers to Impossible Burgers just because I'm not supposed to eat that much soy. <laughs> um, it has a similar effect <laughs> on me that eating an entire Scotch bonnet pepper does. <laughs> um, Fair enough. Yeah. Which is a bad situation to be in as a vegetarian because sometimes 
you just got to go for it. Um, but yeah, I prefer the Beyond Burgers because they're made with pea protein. Um, I guess the last couple of years were all about me coming around to seeing the value of peas just in general. <laughs> I never gave a shit before, but now that I'm growing mm-hmm. them and now that they have made them into convincing burgers, <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> um, but yeah, there and there's a lot of, I've been, one of the things I really want to try is apparently uh, KFC is doing like a plant-based fried chicken. And I'm desperate to try that, and I don't know where they're selling in them yet. <laughs> we gotta, we gotta find that out. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, I feel like the big, the big advances have definitely been in like unhealthy vegetarian food, which is my wheelhouse. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like everyone when when Hillary says like she's a vegetarian, everyone's like, "Oh, you're so healthy." And it's like, uh, all I eat is like cheese and <laughs> like, yeah. No. It's like the moment that like uh, like vegetarian menu items become like covered in barbecue sauce, and I think I'm then I'm I'm on that corner too. It was like it's like it's like so you get it like, oh, like yeah. dripping with 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 high fifty seven barbecue sauce. It's, out, it's like go and count me in. Um, uh, so that's an interesting segue. So Dave and I are in Brooklyn, and uh, producer Mary Bess is in Corinth, Mississippi, um, and which is all different experiences through all of this like the, what's been going on as far as the, the worldwide pandemic. Aside from gardening, what have you been up to in in Los Angeles? Oh, wow. So little. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I can show you something shameful. I've started, I was like, I'm going to do one of those embroidery projects where you do like a one tiny embroidery picture every day. And I didn't finish January. We're halfway through February and I did not. You started. Um, I'm. I started it. I might do some more of that. Uh, yeah. What else have I been doing? I have a dog and I just sort of stare deeply into his eyes all day. Um, I've been working from home, which has been really, I'm lucky to be able to do that. But um, yeah, the big thing has mostly been the gardening. That's where I put most of my energy. Gardening, um, annoying my husband, uh, staring into my dog's eyes, walking around the neighborhood, uh, cutting my own hair. Uh, <laughs> I've been cooking more. Um, I've been, I don't know, watching tons of TV, just so much TV. I think I've rewatched all of everybody loves Raymond two times since the pandemic. Wow. Started. Yeah. I'm, I'm in the midst of rewatching, uh, breaking bad. I've been watching that. I've also been like on this reality tv show kick so i've been watching the bachelor have you been watching the bachelor or any other bad reality tv so early on in the pandemic i watched a couple seasons of love island australia mm-hmm. which is so good but it was like i f- could feel it making me stupider <laughs> <laughs> And it was the type of thing where, like, I would be watching it and then just five hours would go by and then I would just still be there. (laughs) And so (laughs) right now, like, I can't watch The Bachelor. I've tried once or twice. I find it too embarrassing. Um, And I don't know why I didn't have that experience. I should give The Bachelor another chance. But I feel like unless I'm going to be one of those people who's, like, devoted to watching it when it airs every week, I might be kind of missing the boat, but like, I will, um, I'm right now I have a big, uh, writing deadline bearing down on me. And I've told myself that when, once I meet it, I can start watching another season of love Island. <laughs> That's a good, it's good to give yourself uh, goals, right? <laughs> yeah. 
that might be. Yeah. <laughs> That's sort of the secret to success in Hollywood is give yourself a little treat. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so you hadn't watched, uh, as, as you recorded uh, Baby Genesis, this last episode, you hadn't watched the Britney Spears documentary. Have you watched it since you've recorded that episode? I watched it last night. Yeah. And what did you think? Um, I mean, what can I say about it? I want answers. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I knew like I had actually a couple years ago, I read a book by Sadie Doyle called Trainwreck, which I don't stand by everything Sadie Doyle has ever said or done, but uh, that book I found really fascinating. And it's all about the way we tend to tear women down for having any sort of mental health crisis. <laughs> um, and, uh, so I was, I was already on the, like, we done Britney wrong trip, you know, like I, I was on board with the premise of it. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I thought, I thought the documentary was pretty well done and yeah, I want, I want answers. I feel like she deserves more than what we've given her. And I think there's, it's interesting because it's one of those things where like for women, my age, especially definitely like white women my age like the way Britney Spears was treated by the media had such a huge impact on how we viewed sexuality growing up that was just like inextricably linked because she's like just a couple years older than me so like I think I was like 13 when baby one more time came out like that was a big thing <laughs> that was like we were watching her as we were also navigating our own sexuality. And so it's kind of a, it's definitely a head trip, like thinking about all of the ways that that affected how I felt about sex growing up. And yeah, it's a, yeah, it's complicated. I don't know. What do, what did you think? Do you guys watched it? I've seen it. George, have you? I did. I watched it the other day, which, and which is a, I'm, a few years older than, than, than I guess, uh, everybody here. So like whenever this, the stuff that was happening with her, it was like, didn't resonate with me because I'm like, I'm 42, I guess there's like, when it was happening, I was listening to like something else. I just wasn't paying attention to her, her story or even her music. And we were just listening to pavement. <laughs> I was listening. I was just about to say, I was listening to pavement. Is that, is that really, you, you have, you do know. So yes, I was listening to pavement. So I wasn't paying attention to what was going on. So I guess for me as a viewer who I guess who, who didn't know anything about this, it was definitely eye opening. I was like, holy shit, because uh, somebody texted me. was like, did you got to see this documentary? I was like, why would I? I don't know anything about this person. Why would I watch this? And I, I was definitely it was one of those things where I couldn't take my my eyes off the screen. I thought it was a very, very good documentary. And just like, you, yeah, I want to want to I need some more answers here. Yeah, I think that, uh, yeah, she sort of belongs to uh, a a large group of women whose fame in the nineties and early two thousands was like incredibly like toxic where there was just this period of time where like the dominant media narrative about a bunch of different women was really awful in ways that we can look back now and say like, look at what we did to these people like we know a lot more about the power dynamics that led to these situations. I mean, like Monica Lewinsky being a prime example, like that story would be told mm -hmm, very 100%. differently. Lorena Bobbitt, that story would be told very mm -hmm. differently. Um, yes. Yoko Ono, I've been saying for years, like 
that story was told so wrong. Um, (laughs) And uh, yeah, I'm. When it's just like the things that get dulled down to like some anecdote of like Yoko Ono broke up the Beatles and bullshit like that. Yeah, which is just like, I mean, one of my favorite uh, rebuttals to that whole story is like when uh, John Mulaney has a joke about like, you think Yoko Ono was like, I don't want any more of that Beatles money coming in. <laughs> like, no, she was just like, she heard John Lennon complaining about his coworkers again. And she was like, just, if you hate him so much, just leave. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think they do a good job though in that, that Britney doc about like, you know, sh- showing that because, you know, showing, showing all the, because also like, you know, they have the, the people giving you context, but then you see like the paparazzi and like the way that they talk about shit, like they don't get it at yeah. all. Um, you know, and like, yeah, she is somebody that like, I, my fiance has been big, like been changing my mind about her for like many years. And like, because I was, I'm 36. And so I was like in full an adolescent boy age, you know, so I had no fucking yeah. concept of of what the public like at all was doing to her, you know, and, and like how also how like I think they did a really good job of like like what was she supposed like of course she said yes when it wasn't weird to her when David LaChapelle went up to her bedroom to take photo, you know what I mean? It's like she because she wasn't aware of like what they were actually trying to no one had ever taught her like here's how you tell when a, something is a is crossing a boundary and you should say no to it yeah um i also i mean i recommended this on my podcast i'll recommend it here lolita podcast by jamie loft this is a great deep dive into um the book lolita and the way our culture has misunderstood it as a text but there's a whole section of that podcast where she talks about the david lichapelle photo shoot um with britney spears and the way we have told that story wrong also. Um, so I just want to shout that out because she uh, she got got into the history of it and what Brittany actually said about that photo shoot. Cool. I thought it was really interesting. Yeah, that was that was another thing that I wanted to ask you about um, because I think you mentioned on there, had, had you seen the movies and read the books? Because it's like... Um, no. <laughs> I, <laughs> but you know, you know it well enough from the no, books. No, I don't know it very well like I only know it basically from the podcast and from the way our media talks about it and so I was kind of listening to the Lolita podcast from the perspective of someone like I only know about Lolita what society has been telling me about Lolita so that's my perspective on it so I can attest to the fact that like my perception of it is the most like here's the bare bones what we're telling people about this which is that like there's a little girl who really wanted to have sex with this old man and that's not what the book is saying at all um and uh the way even in the Britney doc, they talk about like, oh, people call you this Lolita. And it's like, that means she's a victim of child sexual abuse. Uh, that doesn't mean the, what you're saying it means. Um, anyway, whole thing's fascinating and very upsetting. As most, uh, that's that's the world we're living in right now. Yeah, it's the, it's the world we're living in. <laughs> <laughs> On a side note, have you seen have you seen the the Lorena documentary that Hulu did? I guess oh, they did no, last I've been year. Meaning to watch it, yeah, about Lorena Bobbitt. You should check yeah. it out. But the uh, it's it's uh, my I'm from like a crap town in America. Uh, oddly enough, the most famous thing my town is is known for is that's where the the Lorena <laughs> Lorena oh. Bobbitt uh, thing happened. That happened in my town. They're oh, in my wow. county, so like I remember quite vividly 
Like I didn't realize that that was a NASA story until I got older. I thought it was just something that we talked oh, interesting. about. Like in the, the yeah, had just said that was just something we we joked about oh, as yeah, kids. Yeah, it made up like Lorena Baba, John Wayne Baba. That was a thing. Didn't realize it was like nationally that was a thing. Yeah, that people it was about. a huge. I mean, what are we going to put Jay Leno on trial for all this? Like, he is the common thread in every one of these stories. He's cutting to Jay Leno, telling some evil fucking joke about all these women. And like, yeah, it's hard to. Yeah, he's. Yeah, they they do a really good job of of showing that in the doc, like showing him and also like Justin Timberlake and that whole fucking like crime. Like that shit is. Yeah. It's always awesome. Every time in one of these things, like, and it happened with like I Tanya too, um, where they cut to fucking Matt Lauer, like confirmed sexual predator Matt Lauer setting the narrative of all of these stories. It just makes me so mad. Yeah. Well, and you guys, I was just listening earlier when you were talking about the Lolita podcast, uh, which I, which sounds really interesting to me. And, you know, your guys' point was, your point was so well taken was that all the movie version, how I know it was the movie version. I've read the book once, but I was, I was so, it was so long ago. Um, But, uh, and I probably missed a lot of it, but like the movie versions are all done by men and they're all done by like Stanley Kubrick. (laughs) not someone you want to look to when you're talking about like equal you know equal rights <laughs> yeah or just like a basic like level of respect on set or <laughs> yeah, like yeah. basic level of respect <laughs> yeah. right. anyway um but uh you know you were saying that you you haven't done a ton but you know i think that's that's kind of like the mode that a lot of us are in, but like you were someone who before the pandemic, you were doing a lot of stuff. You are involved in like a lot of process, uh, a lot of projects, Um, which I think you've, I mean, regardless of, you know, I think you've been able to maintain somewhat as, as far as like, honestly, I think just being on Twitter, like you're, you're very good on Twitter. You know what I mean? Like that, that's doing something to me. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I've been working, I've been working. I'm like right now I'm like developing shows that will maybe see the light of day in a couple years. But right now they're all kind of sort of theoretical. So it's sort of nice to be working on something that won't require me to go be in person anywhere anytime soon. But uh, I also can't talk about them. So it's like, please take my word for it. I'm living a very exciting Hollywood life and I don't talk to anyone ever. (laughs) My question, what was that transition like? Was it like, you know, was it pretty much immediately like, okay, what are we going to work on now? Or like, there was like a long period where you were like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Oh, like for the pandemic? Yeah. Uh, It was actually like, kind of, I got pretty lucky. I mean, in a ton of ways, I got really lucky, but like, I was already set to start working from home. Like I was already about to be doing that um, because I had a project in development and I had just finished working on season three of Barry. Like, a few weeks before the pandemic hit, like the last time I really left the house before the pandemic was for a berry table read for season three, which I don't think they've started shooting yet. Um, and so I was already like about to shift away from working on that to working on my own stuff. And so it was pretty easy for me. Like it was already what I was planning to do. Um, 
it was more that like the longer it went on, the more I was like, oh, I'm just going to be here for a long time. It made it hard to give myself deadlines <laughs> for sure. Cause I was just like, yeah. I don't know, as long as we're here. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, it's been a lot of just like, uh, that, that part wasn't hard. I felt like I had kind of managed to by chance set up a bunch of stuff to make it a really soft transition for me like I didn't have any big plans canceled which is super it's super lucky so like I was already going to be in my house I had just redecorated which was lucky I had just gotten a dog which was lucky so I had already planted a garden like I was like oh I kind of weirdly was I planning for this did I know this was coming like I guess it's good. Um, but yeah, so thankfully, knock on wood, like I'm I'm handling it okay. There's definitely times when I cry and I don't know why. <laughs> We're all in that boat. Yeah. But uh <laughs> other than that, I'm like I mean, we can how much time you have, like we can come up with reasons why, you know what I mean? Oh yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> for me, for me both. Hundred <laughs> percent. Uh, I also got a dog. We also actually, George also, we've all got animal. I mean, we got a dog, my fiance and I like a month before the pandemic. And I think oh, wow. whatever higher power every day that we have him because it like, it's makes life a lot better. <laughs> yeah. They, they just have no idea how much emotional weight they're carrying. Yeah. Do they? <laughs> no, they would, they would die. They would explode if they knew <laughs> My dog is like intense separation anxiety, absolutely hates when I leave the house. And, you know, we had him for a year before the pandemic started. So in his mind, the pandemic is just us finally agreeing to live by his rules. <laughs> that's 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 so funny because that's like very like we had our dog like two months before. But like after we were in the house, we have just now gotten to a place where one of us can walk him because we were walking him together for like three months because he had such separation anxiety that he would not leave the house with only one of us. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you're not alone. Um. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's not like that at the Gordon house. Uh, we, uh, Gladys and I are in this weird yeah. romantic comedy, um, uh, in which one of us is going to have to go because like the two of us together cannot coexist. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she's uh, my my Gladys is like is quite the diva. Like uh, if it's like if I'm sitting yeah. on the couch with the computer, she's like running across it. She's like look at me, or she'll get in front of the TV and she'll just pose. I'm trying to get her into punk rock, so that's pretty much what <laughs> she's like. She's, what are she's you doing like, in my house? Yeah, exactly. So when I walk in, she starts yelling at me, and then like there's like the moment I settle in, she's like I'm. It's like it's good to see you too. I'm glad you're back. It's like I, I haven't been doing much of anything, but like the moment I walk in, I'm just like, take it easy. I just walked in the door. <laughs> anyway, I could talk about her all day long, but we have um, the reason why we have you on is as somebody who's a a TV writer, we 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 have several things that we want to get to, and uh, and I want to take up too much of your time. I do want to ask you though, because you have written for a bunch of shows and you have been on a bunch of shows. Which do you prefer? Oh, I definitely prefer writing to acting. I'm not a good actor. Mm -hmm. I'm a very bad actor. <laughs> really? I've tried it and I'm not good at it. <laughs> and I don't think I like it enough to get better at it. 
<clears throat> like I've, I've worked <laughs> with really good actors and I've seen that the work that it takes for them to be good at it. And I'm like, I'm not interested in that. <laughs> um, I like this sort of very, and I don't like being on set. Um, I, I never, it, I mean, doing multicams is really fun because it's really fast. You only have to do like three or four takes of every scene and then you're done. Um, I think multicams mm-hmm. have a bad rap, but they're really fun to work on because it's just like, there's an audience, there's energy, it's fast. But like, anytime you're working on like a show that doesn't have an audience, you're like, it takes all day to shoot a scene. And I'm like, I think we got it. <laughs> <laughs> I do not have an eye for detail. I like ideas. I like words. And yeah, so I, I prefer writing for sure. Um, but uh, maybe it's because I've never been offered the right role. People should still try and write write roles for me. <laughs> there we go. We're at anyone who's listening. It's like, you got to write the right role for yourself. But like, I'm going to be this. It's going to be sweet. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that's lead kind of leads me to a question I had about like your writing. I think there's like a strong through line in like a lot of the shows that you work on, but also in your, your act, uh, your standup, which is like, you do a really good job of writing the line of, of like straight up comedy, but also like talking about, you know, things that are going on in the world or, or with your life. Um, how do, what's like your general approach to that of like what you share and like when you're like, oh, this is the funny part. You know what I mean? Yeah, I have no idea how to answer that question. <laughs> I feel like it's usually, it's just like something's on my mind for a while. And if I don't write something about it, I'll just be annoyed. Uh, usually there's like one big idea in my head and I'm trying to write something about it, you know? whether that's like a TV show I'm working on or, or in my standup or something like that. I'm like, there's one big idea that I'm grappling with and I'm trying a bunch of different things to try and get at it. Um, and it kind of, sometimes it's something really funny and stupid and sometimes it's something kind of serious. So I don't know. I mean, like stand up, you work it out in front of an audience and TV, you don't really get that opportunity. So it's like you work it out in a writer's room, I guess. But um, yeah, I mean, I feel like I, one of the things that like I've been really enjoying about TV writing is like you do have the opportunity to talk about like the serious stuff behind the comedy that you're doing. And like there's more like there's more to figure out emotionally about doing a show with a bunch of characters going through a bunch of different things. Whereas like when you're just doing stand up, it's just about your life on stage. And if you don't have something big that you're grappling with, like I you can't really get that depth and so that's sort of why I didn't, I haven't done stand up in a while. I'm like, there's nothing like that, that I feel like I really have something that I need to say about, but like working on TV shows, you feel like you're like, well, what is this person going through? I don't know. Does that answer your question? I'm not sure. Yes. It did. <laughs> do, you, do you think that like you go back to stand up or do you want to, or no idea? I have no idea if stand up's going to exist again. <laughs> I do think maybe there'll be a time where I'm like really sick of doing TV and I want to go back and and try stand up if I have if I really have something to say I think it'll be more like I try to just sort of like follow whatever my next idea is instead of trying to think like okay time to write stand up or time to write a TV show like I feel I like I feel lucky that at this point in my career I can kind of follow that a little bit Mm -hmm. um there are times when I 
when I do stand up, I do have to like really set time aside to be like, I'm going to work on stand up. I'm going to give myself time and space to like develop what I want to say. And, um, it takes a while, like, but, uh, right now I have no idea. It doesn't, I, I can't imagine it, but I also can, I don't know. I have no, I I don't know what the future holds. It's going to be interesting. I I've, I've done it once since last March. Um, uh, there's yeah i mean there's there's aspects of course i miss it miss of it the uh the hanging out part that i'm not that part i'm not that into <laughs> i kind of just want to do the show and go home <laughs> or at least be a bar near my house instead of like being somewhere out in the city uh yeah i know i performed at a club uh in new york that club shall <laughs> nameless because they're really annoying uh-huh. but anyway but yeah and no, it was odd because it was like uh it was indoors and and uh, it was yeah, it was like and it was like social distance tables and tape uh, and temperature checks, but it was still uncomfortable. So I don't even know if they're going to be able to to come back and that sort of anything, because when they do come back, it's not going to be like the the it's just going to be like headliners only. It's going to be because you want to be able to generate some money. It's not just going to be like guys who who open or middle or host. It's going to be a lot of like people who are established, and that's going to stay. Yeah. I also think like, I just don't know how, when we're going to get back to a point where it's going to feel like safe or responsible to be doing that. Um, Mm -hmm. And I know people who've been doing it over Zoom and having a good time with it. um, But like, I don't miss it that bad. (laughs) Yeah. Neither do I. So that's that's kind of a good little stopping point. Emily, we brought you on for a reason. As a TV writer, we uh, at the Know Your Roles, we we like to play a game with our guests. And for the the game that we are playing today, we are building our own ultimate sitcom TV family based on different characters from different sitcoms. Hell yes. Some of our more entertaining uh, characters. And uh, I feel like I want your audience to know, like, yes, I'm a TV writer. I'm also a TV watcher more than a lot of people we know, more than most people that I work with. I watch more TV than most TV writers I know. (laughs) This is going to be great then. So the way we do this is we we do this as a snake draft, meaning it was like Emily, as our guest, you will go first. And uh, first round, we're going to choose our TV show mom. Second round, we're going to choose our TV show dad. Rounds three and four are a TV show siblings and uh round five which is probably my favorite round is like that one guest is not a part of the family but it's definitely a part of the tv show so think of all your your favorite characters that are that are they're like they're not a part of the 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 family of course but they are they are around like the next door neighbor or Mm -hmm. the best friend it's like so so uh drafting the ultimate tv show starting with the moms in round one as our guests emily go first who is your tv show i just want to clarify we're saying like this isn't I'm choosing these and this is who I want in my family. This is just like the ultimate show. The ultimate show. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And, and I realize now I realize asking that at this point, I'm asking at the beginning, not because I feel that way about my first pick, uh, because that's not how I feel about my first pick. It's how I feel about some of my later picks. Cause my first pick for TV show mom is Lisa from sister, sister. <laughs> <laughs> and I think I would be down with having her as my mom, but I also think she is one of the best TV moms of all time. You rewatch that show. They just added it to Netflix. Uh, uh, Jack K. Harry is carrying that show mm-hmm. single-handedly. Yeah. We are, we are big fans of Jack K. The very underrated Jack K. Harry. <laughs> oh yeah. She's so, she's yeah. so funny and 
that character is so loving and delightful. And also kind of horny. So on to you, Dave. Who is your TV show mom on your the ultimate TV All right. show, sitcom TV show? All right. Um, well, my TV show mom is I'm actually gonna throw in a curveball and I'm gonna choose two dads because my show is a non-traditional sitcom. And the uh, first dad I'm choosing is Brian Cranston from Malcolm in the Middle, Hal Wilkerson. So that's my that's my first pick, Hal Wilkerson. I'm doing I'm going for a thing. It'll make sense. It'll uh-huh. make sense. Trust me. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, my TV show mom is okay. Hal Wilkerson. Uh, on to me. So uh, my TV show mom, I went to is the antithesis of TV show moms. Because so like, uh, it just always she always just entertains me, and she's underrated in every show that she's in. Now, my TV show mom is Peg Bundy. Uh, I like oh, so, yeah. I like somebody who's gonna like bust my TV show dad's balls and not do anything, just kind of hang out and like take care of how sweet her hair is, which I, I oh yeah I think that's an underrated look that the bouffant that Peg Bundy had. So TV show mom is Peg Bundy, and since we're doing a a snake draft. That means that I have the next pick and my TV show dad, because I want my TV show mom to, to, to mess with my TV show dad. My TV show dad is Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil married to Peg Bundy would be quite the combo. That would be like quite the show is like because it's different, like the different outfit choices that I that I have three. So I, I base mine on. I also like the fact that Uncle Phil's a lawyer and uh, <laughs> was is in the civil rights. It's like one of the episodes in Fresh Prince is like he's talking about Malcolm X, which I think is kind of rad. That like they even mentioned that on a TV show and a popular TV show that he had, that he uh, the character Uncle Phil saw Malcolm X speak, which I thought was pretty cool. And then like uh, later on in another we episode, say, we should say later episodes he admitted he was a Republican though. He did, he did, yeah. but he also <laughs> just throwing that out there. <laughs> <laughs> he made some money and he. Uh... <laughs> With that being said, he was also like uh, he, he he talked about uh, affirmative action and uh, better health care, too. So there's like a, there's there's not there's many ways to skin a cat. <laughs> anyway, I do love Uncle Phil. So, Dave, who is your TV show dad? OK, so my second dad um, is going to be a character named Hal Carp, because now both of my TV show parents are named Hal. And I think that that is just going to cause a lot of wacky comedy. And Hal Carp is Loudon Wainwright's character from Undeclared, which is a very underrated Judd Apatow's like second show after Freaks and Geeks, uh, which we're actually rewatching right now. Freaks and Geeks. It's on Hulu or something. Um, but yeah, Loudon Wainwright is, you know, this the singer. Uh, he's hysterical on, on Undeclared. And uh, yeah, the two Hals. Those are those are my parents. All right, so Emily, you have the next two TV show mom and then one of your siblings. I okay. Okay. Um, I am going to say for dad, I'm going oh, to Oh, TV pick... show dad, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Yeah, for dad, for TV show dad, I'm gonna pick Lewis from Fresh Off the Boat. Randall Park, so good. 
Uh, I also, it's not, it wouldn't be good television because now I have the fun parent from two different shows <laughs> and they're both the fun parents. So these kids are not getting to school dressed. But that's, uh, I like, that's good TV. <laughs> yeah, there's no rules in this house. This is a very, <laughs> the kids are drafting the parents yeah. in this in this version. Um, but uh, I think that it would be, I think those two together would be great. And it would be also a very horny show. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> I like on TV shows when the parents are really horny for each other. <laughs> I don't like when they won't have sex with each other. I like when they're really horny for each other. I think it works a lot better. All right. So uh, you're, you have the next one as well. So like you're doing a, the TV show yeah. uh, Oldest Sibling. Okay. Oldest Sibling. Okay. I'm going to go with Joey from Blossom for the brother. Um. I don't really remember a lot about him except for, whoa, but <laughs> I do think he was a good older brother. He was really fun. He was really supportive of Blossom. Um, he was kind of, I think he was like what you want in an older brother. So I'm going to go, I'm going to go enjoy it from Blossom. Dave. Awesome. Um, I didn't mention something you just said in, in my, uh, my, my two dads thing, which is that, I picked the both the wacky parents, you know what I mean? Because I want it to just be like, everyone is like the wacky character and it's just to be complete uh-huh. chaos for 30 minutes. That's, it's just all Kramers. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> which is why- Oops, all Kramers. <laughs> which, <laughs> that's, a, that's a show. Um, prob- I don't know if it, yeah, anyway. Um, but uh, so my, uh, my, First child is Brianna baby girl Tompkins from the Bernie Mac show, which is like (laughs) the youngest daughter, which is another character that like, it's the troublemaker character. So, and I also, I just remember Bernie Mac just, he only calls her baby girl and he's just like, baby girl. He says that like every time he refers to her, (laughs) um, which I always liked. So yeah, Brianna baby girl Tompkins. That's my uh, first child in my television sitcom, George. Okay, so uh, I've got the next two, and uh, my next two are pretty easy. One does uh, one is bizarre; the other one is just entertaining. And uh, I'm gonna give you the bizarre sibling first. Is uh, Becky Becky Connor from Roseanne and the Connors? Only because of weird interaction that I had with her ten years ago that made it to my album. I just want I just want to like cast Lacey Garrison on the show, just <laughs> just so we could just go even full circle with our relationship. So, and then finally, my other sibling is Alex B. Keaton, which I think is one of the best TV show characters all time is like the son of a uh, hippie ex-hippie liberal parents who just happens to be this uh reagan obsessed republican just just entertains me and it wasn't supposed to be like a, a, a very well-written character on the show and just michael j fox just gave it life and if you Killed watch it. it he's funny he, it's really funny in a sort of a weird kind of way so those are my siblings and my my uh my ultimate tv family becky connor and alex b keaton I'm so sorry to interject. Real quick, George, will you say for us Alex P. Keaton and what show he is from? Oh, Alex P. Keaton from Family Ties produced to Mary Beth. Thank you. <laughs> All right. So I'm going with my second uh, child in my TV family. And like I said, I want all chaos makers. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's why my second child is Baby Sinclair from uh, Dinosaurs, <laughs> not the mama. Um, and they're neither of them are the mama. <laughs> No, exactly. <laughs> I didn't even think about it. Wow. For the um, win, but, Emily. For the um, win. As George would say, <laughs> off the top rope. 
But uh <laughs> off the top rope. Yeah, baby Sinclair, not the mama. He he's gonna cause so much trouble with uh baby girl, and the two hows are not gonna be able to fix it. <laughs> so yeah, Emily. Oh, I so I decided I realized all of my three other characters are very like supportive and kind. Um you know, Lisa, Lewis, Joey. So for my other sibling, I'm going to go swing the opposite direction. Darlene from Roseanne. Just an absolute shit to everyone who's nice to her. Uh, great character. <laughs> uh, very caustic. She'll balance things out. Nice. And then now you get to choose your bonus character. And then that's that'll be the end of your, your draft. So who's your bonus character? Yes. Okay. Um, my bonus character and bending the rules a little bit here because this is not someone who was the bonus kooky neighbor or whatever in the show that he's from, but in my show, he will be. And it's Monk from the TV show. <laughs> he's just going to be nearby solving murders and being annoyed at the family. Uh, I'm imagining they live in a duplex. Um, and, uh, <laughs> Yeah, that's uh he's uh played by Tony Shaloub. Uh he is the obsessive compulsive detective from San Francisco who uh is just trying to figure out who killed his wife with a car bomb. <laughs> when you put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And finally, Dave, who is your bonus character? All right. So my bonus character, I also someone who's not a bonus character on a sitcom. However, the first appearance of this character, he was a bonus character on a sitcom, but I also, I want to make this show wild and I want to also already have a, a puppet character. So I want an animated character. Uh, and, and also it's going to be finally the person who's going to actually comment. He's just going to come in and comment on all the craziness and leave. And that's Jay Sherman, the critic by uh, played by John Lovitz. <laughs> Of course, premiered on uh, that Simpsons episode. And uh, yeah, he's just going to come in and uh, criticize everyone and leave. So, I love yeah, that. Sherman, that'll do it for me, George. Uh, my bonus character is like, again, because I'm so old, is based on a character from a TV show called uh, Mr. Belvedere. And for my, our listeners who don't know the TV show, Mr. Belvedere, Mr. Belvedere was a TV show about an English butler working for a family in the Midwest helping them raise their, their three their three children. And there was a character on the show named Angela, uh, played by Michelle Matheson. And every episode that Angela appeared, the running joke was she said Mr. Belvedere wrong. And it was hysterical. She would go, what's up, Mr. Bellhop? Bellhop? <laughs> or, or, uh, or Mr. Butterfinger? How are we doing? Like, uh, Mr. Bellpepper? And as a kid, I just thought that was the funniest thing on TV. What's up, Mr. Blue Suede? So my my guest or my uh, my bonus character is Angela from the the very underrated five years of uh, Mr. Belvedere that was on TV. And she's an awesome awesome character. <laughs> Heather's best friend from Mr. Belvedere, Angela, and I think we. <laughs> it's like if you guys get a chance, Google Angela from Mr. Belvedere, and all it is on YouTube is just five minutes of her just saying the wrong name, and it's funny every single time. It's like, what's up, Mr. Bell Bottoms? It's it's hysterical. <laughs> it's your favorite thing about this character is something she's not going to be able to do on the show that you're casting her in because there's no Mr. Belvedere. Exactly. 
Exactly. I think she should still do it. I think even she's though that, exactly. like, she, on the show. It's like she just shows up. It's like, uh, who is that? That girl from next door. Why is she saying the name of somebody that's not that has nothing to do with our show? So. <laughs> so, uh, Dave, do you have anything uh, for Emily or producer Mary Beth? Do you have anything for Emily before we let her go and before she plugs something? I couldn't help but thinking while we were doing all these, I don't know if you had this similar thought as a TV writer being like, wow, that's all you need to come up with a show. (laughs) Like some of these shows, like the premise of the show, like him just saying the premise of Mr. Belvedere, like that's all you needed to do. Like that's all you needed. (laughs) (laughs) Back in the day. I mean, I do think like one thing that you sort of struggle with as you are like, coming up with new TV shows is like, think about your favorite TV shows. They're not always like the most premise heavy shows, you know, like it's all character on like my favorite shows. You know what I mean? Like the situation that they're in, that's not going to carry you. Um, And I say this as someone who's currently working on a very premise heavy show. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, But yeah, I mean, coming up with good characters is harder than it seems. Agreed. One character that I didn't get to use in this because there was no slot was, I think, maybe the best TV character uh, with paired with the best acting of all time is Marie from Everybody Loves Raymond, <laughs> Ray's mom. And it's that character is just like that show is so simple. Like there is no premise to that show. He lives by his parents. That's the premise of the show. But his mom is this like razor specific type of malignant narcissist that we all know you know and it's she's so specific that you don't even have to like every episode the way she responds to every situation is so specific and good and funny and she just like again talking about people carrying the show she's the best this uh doris doris roberts is that her name Doris Roberts. Doris Roberts. Do you know, yeah. I've never seen a single episode of that show, and I knew that for some reason. Ugh, I'll send you a list. <laughs> please, please do. Uh, do some- I'll throw one thing in there since since you threw to me, George, uh, talking about family dynamics and comedy and writing. Um, I will say, Emily, I too um, was someone who was um, absorbing all of your wonderful content over the last few days and got to listen to Pasta, your wonderful album, um, which is available to anyone uh, on multiple platforms, including Bandcamp, which is where I found it. Um, But I will say I was especially fond being an aunt myself of your content around babies (laughs) and giving all the credit to, yes, it's my sister who did all the work. Uh, I was there supporting via text (laughs) through the whole thing. Um, And so I just, yeah, I, I became a fan right then and there. Oh, and so talking you. about families and dynamics, I just want to give that shout out to directly to you. Thank you very much. That's very sweet. I appreciate it. Well, from uh, from Know Your Roles to, to you, Emily, uh, before we let you go, I want you to plug something for us real quick and then uh, we'll get you out of here. I have so little to plug right now. You can listen to my podcast, Baby Geniuses. I guess I'll plug once again, Fatali Hot Sauce by Cliff Family Winery. <laughs> And if you want to see pictures of my garden, I have an Instagram for my just for my garden. That's Emily's Garden Show. Um, you can see pictures of my peas. Perfect. Give peas a chance, y'all. <laughs> Producer Mary Bess, out. 
Well, Emily, again, it's, it's very lovely to see you. Uh, at some point, we'll have to do this in the same room, somewhere yes. warm in maybe Los Angeles. Um, yes, thank you so much. Thanks, Emily. Thanks for having me. This is really fun. Uh, again, it's good to see you, and uh, I will see you soon, my friend. Thank you for being on the show. All right. All right. Well, we are uh, back with you. That was a great conversation with Emily Heller. Definitely check out all of her stuff. We're going to link producer Mary Bess. Uh, we're going to is going to link to all of Emily's goings on and and all of her different projects and ways you can enjoy uh, her work, which there is a lot of it and it's great. George, um, I do want to shout out one of our listeners. Uh, Chris, uh, who, uh, who I know is a huge fan of our podcast, who actually came up with the idea for that, for that, uh, for that game. And, uh, he sent us a message on, uh, on, it's like, it's a message saying, it's like, it's like, I think it'd be awesome if you guys did this. And I was like, you know what, Chris, I think that would be awesome. So, so shout out to Chris, uh, a, a loyal listener to the Noah Rosa pod. In fact, if you have ideas that you'd like for us to do with, with guests or with just Dave and I and producer Mary Bus. Give us a shot on the uh, on the uh, the socials, and we'll we'll give it a go on the podcast. Um, uh, again, if like if you're listening, please write a review and all that good stuff. And um, uh, thank you again, Chris, for coming up with the idea of drafting the ultimate TV family. Shout out to uh, to Chris. It was a, a great idea, and it was uh, super fun. I just want to say, for the record, like, yeah, send like DMs and stuff to the socials, but like everyone who's listening and has like our phone numbers, like don't just start tech, like don't start texting me ideas, <laughs> please. Please just don't start texting me ideas. <laughs> Go through the proper channels. Well, I think um, it's like, I think, I think we all know that if you're going to text me, you will not get a text back. I just don't text me. <laughs> <laughs> I go out of my way to not text. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're going to uh, wrap up the show here with our, our last segment where we're going to, you know, give some things that we're looking out for for the next uh, weekend or week. George, what uh, what are you looking for? What are you looking forward to? Nothing really. I feel like I should probably plug this on the podcast. I'm going to be doing stand up this weekend out in Red Hook. Uh, it's going to be they're, they're they're working on the logistics as far as like how it's going to work, as far as like what they're going to do. And I don't know if the weather is going to be nice enough to even do it. But I think I'm going to be inside telling jokes to people. Uh, who are going to be sitting outside of a venue. So it could be one of two things. I, I, I mentioned on the podcast with Emily, who hadn't done, she hadn't done uh, stand-up in like three years. I have only done stand-up once in like a year. So it'd be interesting. It's going to be possibly awkward, maybe fun. But the cool thing is I won't be outside telling jokes. I'll be inside. So even if you don't laugh or you do laugh, I won't even know because I'm going to be on the inside. So... Um, uh, yes, I'll be telling jokes with uh, with my friends Kendra Cunningham and Megan Megan Hanley and uh, Calvin Cato at a venue in um, uh, in Red Hook. Um, uh, the venue whose name I don't remember, but it's in Red Hook. And I think if you like, uh, I believe it's the old Ice House. The the the, the, the so it's like uh, again, yeah, I believe I'm going to be inside. They're going to be outside, and it's going to be it's going to be bizarre. Yeah. It's like a the, the cool thing is like I won't know that I'm bombing <laughs> until I go outside. Yeah, like, yeah, all comedians in a hermetically sealed box. You know, what I mean, it's only yeah. insulated from the abuse from the crowd. So I'm trying to think. It was like uh, it was like what are the jokes that I would would, would I, I want to do like jokes that I was because like that I know that are not going to be funny. It's like what's the deal 
<laughs> just like open up with that is like it's like uh and, stage like what they say when stage actors like uh do film for the first time they don't know that like what you're doing for like the back of a hundred seat theater doesn't mm -hmm. play the same way when you have a camera in the front of your face. <laughs> right. Right. No, I was gonna, I'm going to be entertained. It was like, uh, maybe I'll like bust like a character. Like I'm like, now nah, this one, <laughs> I'm not a comedian. Who's like, man, like every time I said that, I'm gonna be like, man, just like, well, we'll see. Yeah. There's a whole lot of things that I want to do. There's a part of me that kind of wants to have a meltdown. The thing that nobody could see me, they could just hear me. I think it'd be kind of red. <laughs> Wait, they can't see you at all. I think I think they can see me through a window. I'm not really sure how it's going to work logistically. I think it was like the way it works. So I'm supposed to be on a stage, and there's like they've got the sound pumping outside to people sitting outside. So we'll see how it works. It's like maybe I'll record myself. Like like there's I do kind of want to bomb because it's like it's like I've always like hated the bombs in which like I could see the people's faces. And they're just surely, they're just like, just disappointed. They're just like, we had so much, we thought you were going to be good at this. And it turns out you were not good. They're just like, mm. but there's a part of me that just wants to just bomb. Just like, I say, just like, was that you upstairs? It's like, no, nah, that wasn't me <laughs> up there. <laughs> no, I, would, I don't, I've never even been, I just got here. Yeah. yeah I like, just got here. No, that was like, uh, that was my, my, that was my cousin. Larry, um, uh, <laughs> Dave, what are you looking forward to this weekend? That's hysterical. Um, when is that show? Saturday or Sunday? Saturday night. Wow, man, more uh, more power to you. Uh, I think you're right, and it's going to be awkward. So just just be prepared for that, and I'm sure you'll be fine. Uh, Dave, I opened for, up for a band once to a bunch of people who had no interest in seeing me do stand up. <laughs> And that was a thousand times more fucking awkward than this is going to be. <laughs> I believe you. Yeah, so. I believe you. I think I'll be all right. <laughs> um, all right. Well, what I'm looking forward to is actually a movie that is uh, dropping or whatever the fuck we say now. Um, that's premiering. Uh, if you're listening to this podcast the day that it drops, which is Friday, it's premiering today. Uh, on Hulu and I guess in theaters, if that's something that you're doing, Jesus Christ. Um, but uh, that's Nomad Land, Nomad Land uh, by Chloe Zhao with uh, Francis McDormand, which is getting a lot of like awards buzz and and critical acclaim, which is whatever. But uh, Chloe Zhao is a very interesting filmmaker. I really enjoyed her last feature in 2017. It's called The Rider, which is like about uh, indigenous, an indigenous group of like bull riders in like North Dakota uh, that are like trying to, you know, survive essentially. It's very interesting, but Nomadland is starring Frances McDormand and it's about like a houseless woman traveling around the country with a van. And uh, yeah, it, it looks, uh, it looks really interesting and I'm um, really looking forward to watching that. And Chloe Zhao is just somebody to watch in general. Like I said, this movie is getting a lot of buzz, but she as just a director has gotten so much buzz. You may have heard she, she got, uh, she got signed up to do one of the next Marvel movies, uh, the Eternals, which is actually like, if you look at the cast list for that, it's like really cool. And like, seems like kind of a different kind of Marvel movie, which it's cool. Sounds cool. But uh, yeah, Nomadland available now. That's uh, I'm going to watch that. Looks great. Producer Mary Bess, what are you looking forward to this weekend? 
Thanks, guys. Um, so with uh, things going on in the world, looking forward to the week, um, as many know, anti-trans legislation is popping up in over 20 states across the country. And this very dangerous, very organized, and very well-funded effort to criminalize transness is winning. The attacks on trans youth centered around sports and healthcare are spreading, not just here, but in the UK. And it is vital that we educate ourselves about this fight and what we can do. Because if these bills, which are supported by far-right rhetoric around fear and not at all based on science, study, or even precedent, pass, they will open doors to the widespread policing of bodies, particularly among our most vulnerable groups. So I want to encourage everyone to please pay attention to this movement. Please educate yourselves, especially when it comes to legislation moving through your state. Uh, my home state of Mississippi, I'm looking at you. Um, and you can follow groups like the ACLU, Human Rights Campaign, Transgender Law Center, and activists like Chase Strangio, Alok Vadmenon, Chris Mosier, and Skylar Bellar, otherwise known as Pink Manta Ray, to learn more about this fight and what you can do to help, whether it's phone banking, contacting your representatives, or donating to a pro-trans, pro-LGBTQ plus organization. And our hearts, I think I can speak for all three of us when I say that our hearts go out to the folks, especially the young people who are fighting this very difficult but very crucial battle. Trans women are women. Trans men are men. Let's, let's make life better for everybody. Well put. Thank you very much, producer Mary Beth. George, uh, anything else you uh, you want to get off your uh, off your chest there? Um, no. The uh, I I think we I think we 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 did it for the show. So, Dave, let's just go ahead and send it on send it on home. All right. Well, thank y'all for tuning in. Please subscribe, rate, and review. Know your roles wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, yeah. Everybody stay safe and healthy. And of course, you, my, my D5 folks out there, I'm going to have my usual send-off as I do every week. And I will continue doing the same send-off, which is wear your mask over your fucking nose. We're out. All right.